Hey, this is Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh, now part of the Digitant family of podcasts. How's it going, guys? Hope you're having a wonderful week. Before we get started, go ahead and go to the show notes, opt in for our newsletter. You'll receive all of our breaking news, more info on our guests, links, pictures, and all of that. Would love to have you. And today, this is Adrienne Paris Catherine. She's actually somebody that I went to high school with at Newark Catholic in me and Kelly's hometown. And uh, we went on this amazing trip to Spain together when we were upperclassmen. And she went on to Denison University in Granville, Ohio, to get her to get her degree, moved to New York, worked there, met her husband, and now they live in Leon with their three children. She went back to school to be a naturopath. And uh, we recently re- reconnected. And, you know, I thought to myself, you know, what is it like being a parent in France? Parenting there versus here, all the cultural differences, the good and the bad. And um, yeah, I asked her all about it. So I'm so excited for you guys to get to know her. Let's get started. All right. Well, I know Carrie from high school. So we went to, I don't know if she gave you the background, but we went to high school together. She's a year younger than I am. Um, We went to Europe together and we just kind of reconnected recently on Instagram. And she's like, wait a minute, Adrian, you're living in France and what is going on with you? So, okay. So I grew up in Newark too. Okay. My Milan told me that she, my friend Milan. Yes. Said she knows you. Okay. This is so amazing. So I went to Newark high school. Um, and so it's amazing to me, the amount of people that we've had on from Newark, which is just like, we say this to the listeners all the time, like it's such a tiny little spot. Um, but I love that you guys both reconnected and that we have Newark in common because it's such a tiny spot. So what led you to France? Oh my gosh. Well, it's kind of a long story, but, um, I went, so I, I graduated from Newark Catholic and then I went to college at Denison. Okay. Um, in Granville, really close by, but I felt like I was a world apart because I lived on campus. My parents are like 15 minutes away in Pataskala. Yeah. Um, and I decided to go abroad for six months, my junior year. And I was a, so I was an art major and a French and art history minor. So it's a long story, but my family, my dad grew up in, like my dad was born in Tunisia and my grandparents are Italian. So I always felt a connection to, to, you know, Italy and I have a lot of family in France. And so I moved to New York when I was 22, after I finished um, my studies I lived in New York, always New York, always had a ton of French friends in New York and met my husband in 2010 at a party, (laughs) my future husband. I met him at a party of some French friends throwing and we started dating. He was living in Spain at the time. Um, He started, and then he was moving to Iran for his job and he was going back and forth to visit me in New York. And then he decided to move to New York. Yeah, and then he decided to move to New York and we've been together ever since. And then we moved to France. Eventually, like a year later, we moved to France. So oddly enough, which it's so crazy how the universe works out, but my boyfriend is in France right now. Oh, really? And ask him where he's at in France. So he is with the Edmonton Oilers and he was in Switzerland, but then he, now he's in France and he got off the train this morning, wherever, wherever he is. And his phone like went blank. And so he was emailing me, my phone isn't working. No one speaks any English whatsoever. I just got off the train. I'm going to somewhere to find someone to fix my phone. His phone is now currently again working, but it's so funny that he's in France and we're talking to you. Well, tell him to drop on by if he's close. I know. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to find out where where he is exactly. Um, Okay. That's amazing. Well, I love the concept that, I mean- what is it a complete different life to live in France? I mean, I mean, we're not, I'm not living in a third world country. So, you know, we have different like similarities, but yeah, it was a huge, huge adaptation period for me to move here. That's for sure. And becoming a mom. And, you know, I went back and I went back to school and became a naturopath here. I did all my studies here. So it's like, yeah, it's definitely been an adaptation period, but I've been here for, 
13 years now. And I feel like I finally feel like everything's good. (laughs) Does it feel like home? It does, but I definitely, it does feel like home. I mean, my family's here. I have three children. I have an amazing, um, my in-laws are great. I really won like the mother-in-law lottery. (laughs) And uh, no, I feel, I feel secure here. I do. I really do. It's a great place for families. It's, it's just a really great quality of life. I mean, I definitely do miss my family in the United States and I miss, I do miss New York a lot too, for just it's like diversity, you know? Yeah. New York is a special sweet spot. It really is. But yeah, it does, it does feel like home, but I definitely miss being back in the United States. The United States will always be home to me too, you know? Adrienne, the, the memory I have of her is that she's just like the coolest upperclassman. <laughs> like I was like, oh. Adrienne is so cool, but then she's nice. I did. I looked up to you. I didn't know very much about you, but you're the coolest. And then what made me think Adrienne should come on Greener Grass is I read this book. I can't remember the name right now, but it was basically written by a woman who is a mom who moved to France from America and raised her kids there. And it was the difference between French, French parenting and American parenting. Have you heard of this book? Ring up, up baby. Is that what it was? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like a national, it's, it's like a New York times bestseller, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Kel, have you heard of this book? No, I'm writing it down though. Cause I've been like, I'm in reading. I go through not reading for like three years and then reading phase where I read like seven books in like three months and I'm in reading phase. So I just wrote it down. Yeah, bring up Bebe. So I actually read this when I was pregnant, and it was just so intriguing because culturally, like, it's just so different. And I, I was like, oh, I'd love to instill some of these principles, but then we do live in a different culture, and it's hard to, like, take on that stuff. So, Adrian, you are an American, but now three kids. That's, that's a lot of kids, by the way. Oh, Kelly, you have a lot more. <laughs> you, you have four. Oh, that's amazing. I think one is, one is a lot. Uh, let's get it. Let's dive into this topic. Um, you start wherever you want to start when it comes to your American culture, the French culture. If there was anything that you were like, "Whoa, this is crazy," or if it feels oh much gosh. easier. Oh my gosh! I can tell, tell you, I could write a book. I actually thought about writing a book. I'm like, seriously, that was that woman, the, that author's um, take on her experience. But I have to say that. I'm considered, how do I say this? In French, we say an extraterrestrial. Sometimes I feel like I'm an extraterrestrial, like an alien, because I think different, <laughs> I think outside of the box in a lot of ways or just aren't doing, I'm just not going with the norm, you know? Um, I literally, we got married. I, mo- I moved to France. Two months later, we got married. Two weeks later, I got pregnant, okay, with my first child. So we had like the first year I had moved to a different country. I quit my job in New York. I was working in television. So I'm changing jobs, <laughs> like moved to a new country. We bought a house. Like it was just a lot going to have a kid. And I, so I had a woman, a friend of mine, a friend of Fred's actually my husband who, who told me to go see this gynecologist, you know, to have, um, to get my first checkup and everything. And basically I was really interested in having a natural childbirth. That was always really important for me. My mother breastfed me for two years. She had all of us um, naturally. And that was really something that was really important to me. And I thought France was like totally into natural childbirth. I thought everyone breastfed. I'm like, oh, women are on the Côte d'Azur showing their their breasts like on the beach, you know? (laughs) Well, not at all. Like this was in 2010 and it was not, it was super highly medicalized. And so my doctor, I started, you know, asking her questions. I said, you know, what's the percentage rate of episiotomy here in this hospital, this private hospital? And it was like 98%. What's the the percentage of an epidural here? And it was like 97%. And literally like two weeks later, there was this, um, 
how do I say this? It was, I'm, I'm sorry, also, I speak more French than I speak English these days. So it's, sometimes it's hard for me to find my words in English, which is really bizarre, but um, it's my reality. So I heard some midwives speak at this like local community center just around this time. And they were talking all about oxytocin, like the the love hormone, like something that creates bonding, the hormone that creates bonding between the mother and the child. And they were saying that an epidural, a synthetic, you know, um, oxytocin really cuts, breaks up and blocks that natural secretion of oxytocin. I was learning all these things. And I'm like, this is what I want. This is where I want to give birth at this other hospital where these midwives are. And so literally at seven and a half months pregnant, I switched hospitals. I totally switched hospitals. And my, my gynecologist was like, I support you in this decision. And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> because in their hospital, you had the midwife who helps you during the whole process. And then the doctor that catches the baby, which is very strange. And then this other hospital, you had the midwife who's helping you throughout their whole process and delivers the baby, right? In France, you have the midwives who do most of the work, unless you have a complications in your pregnancy, then you have a gynecologist, right? Obstetrician, um, OBGYN. I'm trying. <laughs> anyway, so I ended up giving birth at this amazing hospital. I had like acupuncture. My baby had osteopathy sessions. I mean, it was all so amazing. I was in this like natural childbirth room where I could take a bath and had a massage. I did hypnobirthing, which I found a woman who had been trained in LA in hypnobirthing. In I live in Lyon, which is like where the, in France is where we live. She lives there. So crazy. And I ended up going to this place for all three, this hospital for all three of my, my births. And it costs like a hundred euros. That was my bill. What? Oh yeah. My husband, that's because my husband spent the night in my room. I stayed there for like four days. For each so, delivery, which is crazy. So <laughs> the, the, the hospitals are highly medicalized. That is even a surprise to me today in 2023. I had no idea. I have the same... Mm-hmm myth like in my head like all those all those europeans like having babies naturally well i mean it's it's not that's not the case i think in more nordic countries that is the case and in germany um they're not going to just automatically um push an epidural that's more rare in germany but in, in france like everyone's like give me give me the drugs which is fine i'm not you know i'm not passing judgment i'm just saying for me it's not what I was more scared of not having control during my delivery process. You know, I wanted to be able to feel what was going on. <laughs> so anyway, that was, that was my experience. But, but yeah, it was, that was very, int- that was very interesting. So that's one that was, that was also 13 years ago. So things have changed since then. There are more like people interested in, in natural childbirth and natural options and more women there breastfeeding, but that was also something breastfeeding doctors here say maximum six months they suggest six months whereas the world health organization recommends a year in the united states they recommend a year so it's very it's very interesting so at this point 13 years ago how long had you lived there when you started through the process of child because like were you were you confident in the language and the fighting for what you needed and finding what you needed. Like, I think being in a foreign place, I I mean, even if you've been there for a few years, if, if home is the U S like, it's a new thing. It's a big deal to be having a baby. I had my kit first two in Boston and it was still away and it was in a English speaking, you know what I mean? Like, but it still felt different and I had to figure out things and I had to find the places I wanted to be. Did you feel like that was hard? I did. I mean, especially with my first child, I did feel like it was hard. Luckily, I found an, I had an amazing OBGYN who really liked Americans, you know, so she was very kind and listened. But, you know, I just, I, it took me a while to figure it all out. But I'm so thankful that I listened to my intuition and listened to myself and that I ran into these, happened to listen to a talk by these midwives that suggest another approach, something that really resonated with me. So, and then for my second baby, it was, I mean, that was just, it was way easier. And my third was also during my naturopathy studies. I had my baby, my third daughter, my third child, my only daughter. 
um, in 2016. Yeah. So that she was the third. And honestly, I was like the best shape ever for my third pregnancy because I was so supported and I was just in a better space, you know, mentally, I think too. So from a, from a, like moving on from childbirth, breastfeeding, like what are the obstacles that you felt were the most, I don't know if scary is the right word. That sounds a little bit, but like going to school, like choosing schools, like, are you bilingual in your home? Like there, I would think that there are so many little, little big questions to figure out. Do your kids have dual citizenship? Do you do, you know what I mean? Like, do you do that? Like there's so many things um, coming from here and having your kids there that I would think be, would be on your radar. Yeah. So they do have dual citizenship. I was all, all gung-ho about that for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I was really lucky enough to have a friend who is raising trilingual kids. So I know as a friend from New York, she's, she's um, from Brazil. She's from Brazil. She's so her kids speak Portuguese. Her husband's French, French, and they were living in New York, so they speak English. And what she always said to me, and this was when my first um, my first son was a baby. I'm so grateful to her. She said, whatever happens, if he, if he replies back to you in French, when I'm speaking in English to him, if he replies back to you in French, always say, how do you say this in English? And so I always had that reflex with him to say, how do you say this in English? And literally 90% of the time, he knew the words in English, but you know, the French comes first because that's who, he, you know, he was around a lot of French. Obviously that was his home, his, his environment. Um, and I have friends who did not do that. And their kids are still speaking back, speaking French back to them. I have, and, you know, English speaking friends who did not do that. And I'm so happy I did that because my kids are totally, totally speak English at home. We have rules though, because when my husband's there, they will like not talk to me because French is easier in English. So we have girls in the car, we speak English, and we're all together. When we're at the dinner table, we, uh, we speak English. So that's the rule. You know, when we're all in the in, or in the environment, we're all together to try to speak English. Yeah. Do you feel like, because this could be a stereotype and I'm calling my partner out, but he's like, you feel, he's like, he's been over there for a month. He went to Switzerland. He's been to the Czech Republic but he's like, they don't love Americans. Do you think that's real? Or do you think that that's just his perspective? I don't know. He speaks French, but not like fluently, like I'm sure you do. Well, yeah, I do. I am fluent at this point, which is good, but um, thankfully. (laughs) Well, where was he? Is he like, is he mostly in France or is he in Switzerland? I mean, I guess it just depends if you're in a big city. He was in Czech Republic. He didn't give me a specific. I just said, where are you in France? But he's not answering right now. Well, you know, I do have to say I have pretty positive feedback from people. Like they're like, oh, wait, you know, I feel like French people do like Americans. I think um, like the whole political time, though, and (laughs) that they don't, you know, all the political craziness over the last several years, they are like, what is going on? And with the whole Roe versus Wade, and you know, anyway, yeah, it's really, really, in France, you really do not mix religion and politics. That is just, it's, it's um, something that's just unknown. It's, it's an unknown concept. It's like an un, inconceivable concept. Like that the president, when he's sworn into office, puts his hand on the Bible. Like for French people, that's just like crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, but I have to say, I'm going to have a lot of people that are like, I love your accent. You know, they love the American accent when I speak French. I had this delivery guy this went to me yesterday. Oh my God. American accent is so basic. Like when you see actresses who actually have a British accent and then they switch, it's like American. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about my American accent when I speak French. Oh. They love it. What is it? Give us an example. Give you an example of what of when I speak French, you mean? Or yeah, yeah. The French, the French, 
the American accent in the French versus just the French. Well, I mean, I don't like, have that, do like, um, you know, I have different accents from different regions of France, like the Parisian accent, the Toulouse accent, the Marseille, more guttural accent, you know, and for me, I just don't have that nasal, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I understood what you're saying when you did that. I don't really have that. I just say, I mean, I just, I, I guess like also where your tongue is in your mouth, like where you put, you know, it that really impacts your accent. And Americans, we speak with our tongue more in the front of our mouth versus French people are like, have it more towards the back. I think, I don't know, but I think that impacts how you say the word, you know, your accent. This is like a really big question. And I, and I know I do have to jump. So Carrie will take over, but do you feel like, I mean, obviously no regrets ever, but do you feel like it has been such a plus that you've been able to give your children this opportunity opposed to living in the U S or do you like, what are the, you know what I mean? Like, do you ever think like, oh, I wish that I was a mom and my kids were in America and whatever, like, do you feel like that? Or do you feel like my kids are bilingual? They're having this incredible experience. Do you foresee them like growing up and going to college in France? I mean, I feel like it's hard because I'm not, it's not so easy to answer that question. It's not as like black and white as that. You know, I definitely have moments where I'm like, my kids are great here. Like, but then I also am missing that positive psychology in the United yeah. States. Here it's more tough love, but you also have some teachers who are more into the positive psychology of things, but it's, uh, you don't have as much positive reinforcement as you do in the United States. Um, I'm lucky that we just really want to travel. We went away for 10 weeks in 2019, early 2020, just before the pandemic, we took them out of school for like two and a half months. And we went to New Zealand and Australia. So they were totally immersed in English speaking cultures, you know? So, and then we came back and it was a pandemic, but I'm just want to offer them experiences like that. If I can, if we can continue to do that, um, Maybe one day they're going to study in the United in the United States. That could be, a, or do I really want them to do some sort of exchange program? But that will obviously be up to them. Yeah, it's interesting that you said like that we have a more positive because I think there's mixed reviews on that. And you can tell me if I'm this is what you're speaking of. Like it's kind of like everybody gets a trophy, you know. Like I do think you know us being from the dance world that like we went to dance competition a couple weeks ago and they were like, what'd you get? And you're like, well, you got a double platinum and you got a platinum, but it's really still gold, silver, bronze, but it's just, they named them different things so that everyone feels like they got a platinum. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like it's interesting because I think that some people now, listen, I'm not saying I don't love that. Like, I love that our kids are in a positive place and all the things, but um, it's interesting because I think that can be controversial too. Mm -hmm. I hear you. I hear you. When you say the positive reinforcement, I guess that surprises me a bit because I don't really feel like you mean structurally like uh, in the school systems here in, in, in America. Yeah. I mean, I grew up and I think, you know, I am also talking from my own personal experience with my parents too, you know, like what kind of uh -huh. growing up, grow, I'll grow up in, but also culturally, um, America is a country of immigrants as well. And we have that attitude of like, you can do, if you work hard at it, you can, you can achieve anything you can, you, if you just work out hard, you can be successful. And my parents were always like, no matter you what you choose to do in life, we believe in you, like you can do it. And that is not something that I hear on a repeat basis here. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, so the American dream, basically. Yeah. I just, you know, I, 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 um, you know, I've, I've had, I don't want to be like Debbie Downer or anything, but I've definitely had some challenges with teachers, you know, on like, you know, Lucy, my son is like, he's, this was when he was like six years old and in, 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 a, in, a, in a, I don't know, in first grade. Yeah. In first grade. And he didn't understand, um, this like listening exercise it was the music she was playing music on like a tape recorder <laughs> and he was on the opposite side of the room and he couldn't anyway he couldn't like he didn't do the exercise properly and she said Lucien doesn't listen you know and I was like 
what do you mean listen, my son doesn't listen? Like he's not capable of listening or is, did he just not, wasn't able to listen today? Or she goes, why isn't that, is that not positive enough for you because you're American? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Oh okay. no. Oh my gosh. This lady, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to lose it in a second, but I was yeah, my calm, but you know, stuff like that. It's like, I just have encountered these weird, um, you know, these, I've, I've had some weird experiences with teachers here, but that being said, the last few years I've had, we've had amazing teachers and the teacher, my daughter's teacher this year in school, she's like helps kids with disabilities. And she's just such an amazing listener, never raises her voice. Um, and the kids listen to her because she just has this like kind authority, you know, too. And the kids love her. So, but yeah, the, I, I mean, I, I kind of in that whole kid, all the whole, all the kids getting trophies and we didn't really have, I didn't have that growing up. So I also, no, I didn't. I feel like that's in the last 20 years or something. Yeah. And then my own experience with my family, again, you know, it's like we have these microcultures happening. Um, yeah, the whole, like you get a prize for participating, <laughs> like, you know, I'm Chinese American. If you get an A minus, that's like a D. Oh yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I didn't have that. How old are your kids now? So my youngest, she's seven. Um, okay. My two boys are ele- uh, soon to be 11 and 12. They're 17 months old. Okay. Now. So what is the culture around like activities? Like gymnastics and dance and karate and like what is what is all that compared to what you know about America well I definitely think it's not as hardcore I mean they're not as much into like um well, that's a whole other thing my kids were playing soccer for a couple of years and I had all these parents saying all these curse words <laughs> like um like little kids who were like four years old like putting them down and stuff I'm like okay I mean this is I took them out of of soccer because I was it was just in soccer soccer is a whole other sport here in Europe it's like I mean I love watching soccer but having my kids this kind of like the soccer parent the soccer environment the parents it's not it's really not a positive environment so my boys it's like we're gonna go pro like you're gonna go professional at like five years old yeah yeah I I mean it just wasn't the right environment for them rugby's more I mean it's super dangerous rugby's more of like team on um, respect and team sport type of thing you know my kids my so they all play tennis <laughs> this year they love it they love it they love tennis which is so cool my my eldest he got invited to get some free class he's got a second class every week for free and the tennis club is paying for it which is so cool and it's really the activities are really not expensive compared to the united states i mean they're practiced outside of school so there is a fee, but it's like nothing compared to what some of my friends are paying in Boston, you know, who live outside of Boston or in New Jersey or New York. And then they all play, do you have a musical instrument? So they have to take music theory class if they take a musical, if they had, if they play a musical instrument. So that was a whole other thing oh, okay. I discovered. But yeah, and they're all in scout. I mean, my boys are in scouts as well. And, but it's, um, it's not there. The boys and girls are together. So in the French, okay. in the French scouts. So they learn how to build tree houses and build fires and hang out in the woods and go camping and they love it. They love it. So those are the activities my kids are doing. No, I was just thinking about the book bringing up baby. I think a lot of, I remember there was a lot of parts about food with with the toddler yes. and how the kids eat, and that that you know, you were asking me about questions with my kids, and that's definitely something that like my mother in law was like, my kid had to hold a spoon and feed themselves like at a very 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 young age. They weren't until like the finger foods where you pick up, you know, you 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 work on your dexterity and your fingers. That just is not common that you have like you eat off of a. You eat off of your tray on your high chair, you know, things like that. I was just thinking about that. That really was, that's very uncommon here. <laughs> what was also in the book is that when they get sent to school, which mm-hmm. is also 
very much paid for, right? Preschool. Oh, well, I mean, it's, it's public school. I mean, or my kids went to a, my kids went to a, 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 a private school, but it was, it's not, I mean, they still are in a private school. It's not expensive at all compared to, compared to the United States. And yeah, it starts, you start in, when you're three, you start. Yeah. And a lot in the book is talking about how, you know, these meals are planned for these three-year-olds and they're just so diverse. Yes. They're introduced and exposed to so many different types of foods, types of vegetables, colors. Well, I approved all the menus for our whole town's cafeteria association, like the cafeteria program that in the area that, um, what's it called? The place that basically cooked all the meals. It was, it was an association. So we employed all the cooks, all the salary workers there, and they needed um, a nutritionist, dietitian, naturopath. I'm a naturopath, which like um, trained in dietetics. And I approved the menus every week for five years. So I really had an input into what my kids were eating too, which is, and they always a very diverse menu. Oh yeah, they were eating like, what is it called? Salsafis Sal- or something. It's like okra, stuff like that. Um, and do you feel like, sure. because in America, there's childhood developments like, okay, around a certain age, like beans age, like the kids only want brown foods. Does that happen in France? No. I mean, so much less so than, than I feel than in the United States. I mean, my kids, I mean, they were eating everything. I also was like really following the whole like um, giving my kids like bone broth and like really whole foods, like all organic, you know, they were really exposed to a lot of different tastes early on, not just like sweet carbs. And, you know, I was giving them like sauerkraut, (laughs) my poor children, but they're really into like my daughter, she eats like avocado toast in the morning with like, she's like, can I have some lemon? You know, she squeezes lemon juice on it. A little bit of salt and pepper. That's her little breakfast. She loves it. That sounds very California. Well, that, that, I know. Yeah. Avocado toast. It's not so French. But we have the sourdough bread that is highly digestible. And you don't feel disgusting yes. after you eat it. Whenever I go home, I'm like, I cannot eat this bread. I feel so bloated and just feel terrible. And I don't feel that way when I eat bread here because it's not GMO modified or I only ate sprouted green bread when I lived in New York. And now, forget it. I can't find sprouted green bread here <laughs> unless I do it but sprout it myself, which I'm not about to do that anytime soon. But um, so I've got some uh, I've got some girlfriends who go to France and they you know do the vacations and stuff, and they have gut issues when they're in America, yeah. and they go to France and they eat and they don't have gut issues because the food is completely sourced differently. Totally. Totally. And we, there are a lot of, um, well, there's, first of all, there's total pesticides and chemicals that are completely banned in France. Um, and there's, there's so many additives and, and, and those types of things that are banned here, but you can't put in food. That being said, a lot of people, America has definitely influenced France and you do have McDonald's and (laughs) Burger King, which is depressing and people are eating there. And I do work with people who are trying to lose weight because you know, people are, are gaining a lot of weight as well, more so than they were because they're themselves. getting addicted to those American foods that are now there. Yeah. And just processed foods, you know, in general, just eating more processed foods, you know, before you had people going to the markets more often, and now you have your big conglomerates, big um, grocery stores, like it's called Carrefour, where people can just find everything in one place. I don't shop like that though. I shop at my local farmer's market, go to my own little organic grocery store go to the butcher, go to the baker. I still shop like that, but not everybody does. That sounds so idyllic to me. <laughs> the, the cheesemonger, the fromager. <laughs> oh. You know, but living in America, it's like, you do take advantage. Like Bean was like, can we go to Chick-fil-A today? I was like, yes, because <laughs> I want Chick-fil-A too. That's terrible. <laughs> Well, you know what? Yeah. I, if you have those guilty pleasures, go for it. If you feel like eating it, do it, you know? But it's not like... Listen, it's the homophobic chicken, though. No. 
I was so against going to Chick-fil-A, the homophobic chicken, because the, the CEO of, of Chick-fil-A is a huge homophobe. Oh, see, I'm like not following all these things. I, I, read, the, I read the New York Times, but I'm not so, I don't know. All, I mean, oh, but this is not necessarily in the news right now. It has been known for many, many years. Right. Like he's, he's just like a terrible person. And so for many years, I was like, I'm not going to eat the homophobic chicken. And then I had it. And then I was like, shit. It. Yeah. It's good. I'm like, damn it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Asia is, is as bad as America with, with processed foods. Oh yeah. I mean, I was Asia is really bad. So Europe is the place to be eating actually. Well, yeah, it was, you know, I'm really all into about like the blue zones and like Okinawa has uh, one of the highest numbers of um, centenarians in the world, except for now, we also have like one of the highest numbers of obesity because of the younger generations eating. I don't know if it's Chick-fil-A, but all those fast food, it's terrible. Well, even, even the street food. And then there's, there's just, when I, the last time I went to China and Japan, I was having some major gut issues. So I was trying to stay away from gluten and dairy. Mm -hmm. I couldn't eat anything. There was like nothing there. There's like nothing to eat. And if you're in Japan wanting to eat vegetarian, good luck. Oh, really? That's weird. Yes. Like eating out. My friend is vegetarian. She spent a lot of time in uh, Tokyo for a job. And she would ask for a salad and there'd be fish on the salad just because it's like that's what they put on salad. Anyways, Long story short, I'm not saying that it's not possible, but she had a lot of hard time like eating out. Mm. Just yeah, just going to the regular regular restaurants and stuff. So. Well, it can be a challenge um, in France too. And I live in Lyon, which is the capital of the gastronomic capital of France, where they're all about like saucisson, like sausage and like organ meats. <laughs> Everyone and a lot of people eat a lot of pork here. So that can be challenging really salad but then you have a ton of like bacon all over it you know right that's like the that's the issue she was having so if you were gonna would it be easy to I'm guessing not to be vegan there it's not easy but if you cook your own food it's easy but it's hard going well you know you just have to do your research and find like there's some really amazing vegetarian restaurants in Lyon but not like not okay. like in LA or New York, you know, nothing. Well, and that's the thing about LA. We have everything. We have the bad, we have the good, we have the specific, we have everything. So that, see, for me, the cultural difference between being in America and France would probably be less different than being in, a, in LA and where we grew up, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like, when it comes to access... Of, like, I miss the food... I mean, talking about food. I miss the, well, the the diversity in general of the population and all the different cultures. But I miss the food and eating, you know, I miss, like, really great, you know, Japanese food. Or you could... I mean, you go into Queens, you have, like, every single... (laughs) Every single culture you want to find. You know, I miss really good Thai food. I miss... I miss a lot. I miss... I, I definitely miss that. And you and where I am, oh, I miss that. You're not going to get all that. You know what I would miss so much if I didn't live in LA is Mexican food. Mexican food here is out of control. It's tacos. I miss Mexican food too. As I ate really good Mexican in LA too, and I oh, so good. I mean, there's great Mexican food in New York, but LA is like, yeah. It's so good. Okay. It's so good because we have this immigrant community and um, people doing it really well, like from the, ch- the cheapest to the most expensive, just like the entire, the entire spectrum. But I, so that's very interesting to me because a lot of uh, childhood development people in America, you know, doctors and stuff, they're like, your kids are going to go through this phase where they want all brown foods. Although she kind of, you know, frowns at the vegetables, uh, never frowned at fruit. So we never had that brown phase in my family, in my, in my household, because mm-hmm. she would always load up on strawberries and blackberries and blueberries, like all the antioxidants and stuff. So I'm not really getting a lot of veggies into her, but I'm 
certainly like she's getting she's getting micronutrients from fruit. Mm -hmm. So I I would say in America that yes, some some kids do go through that, but it really goes to show you that it's exposure too. Because your kids didn't go through that. It's because the exposure at a very young age, a lot of different fruits and vegetables, um, a lot of different different types of food. Um, my my partner is a good example of uh, like exposure stuff because he still eats like he's twelve. Like he eats chicken fingers and fries and never, you know, like yeah. I, I mean, I think that happens in America. I think it's what you said. I think the real the real key though is like always never give up. Um, offering it to them like yeah. vegetables just keep on offering it just, or just have her have her try one bite of something this is what I do with my kids I have a phase also where Adelaide talked about having avocado but my eldest he's like cannot have avocados like he's so disgusted by them you know but I, I just keep on offering it and we'll see he likes guacamole though so anyway no it's good that you I mean like like you said fiber is important very important. Yeah. And then also exposure wise, like I started eating with chopsticks, you know, there's certain foods that I won't eat with a fork. Like if I'm having noodles, if I'm having like a Chinese based veggie, like it doesn't make sense for me to use a fork because the chopsticks are easier. Sometimes cooking chopsticks are easier because it's veg- it's, it's like a noodle dish. Mm-hmm. I just started eating with them and I'm not teaching her how to use them, but she just picks them up and for the most part, she uses them as drums because her pop is a drummer. But then she'll start trying to eat with them. And it won't be like the way I do it, but then she'll take, you know, she'll take the chopstick. I we're on we're on Zoom, my friends, so she'll take the chopstick and she'll just pick up the noodle with a single chopstick and eat it like that. Yeah. That's good. You know, anything's possible. It's just exposure and I'm not forcing, you know, like it's too cumbersome to try to use them correctly. Sometimes they have those trainers that you can get on Amazon where the top is, is connected and the bottom isn't. Yeah, yeah we have that. <laughs> yeah. But she's, she's learning that because I do it, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm bilingual with my utensils, <laughs> you know, like at a young age, my mom's cooking with chopsticks and I eat with chopsticks, like, like any Asian child in Asia. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then I could also, which I have never thought about it that way, but, um, I'm sure that there are some Chinese kids in America who don't feel so comfortable using chopsticks, but mm-hmm. you know, exposed at a young age and it's functional. And so, so there you have it. You can kind of have whatever culture, your microculture. Um, the other bigger, uh, topic that I wanted to ask you about. See, this is my mom brain because it bounces and then I can't remember things after I had it. Um, uh, you're not quite there yet, but what you see of it, like the teenage culture, the high school culture, um, in America now it is very influenced by social media. Very much so. Uh, it is, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't love it. I don't love it. Uh, how do you think uh, your country, France, deals with the high school age, especially with girls? Well, like you said, I'm not there yet. So I'm just trying to remain, edu- try to become, become more educated also how to handle social media with my kids because it's something I'm going to have to learn how to navigate. But, um, gosh, I've definitely thought about that with my, with my daughter. I've definitely thought about, okay, um, how am I going to navigate that? Cause they're going to compare body image, like all, you know, self-confidence, uh, this person's doing this. I want to be like this person. I mean, it's not even just, and I've also looked at the rate of suicide with teenagers and how it skyrocketed after the pandemic and also social media plays a huge role as well. And it's scary. It's scary. It's scary. So my kids just got an iPad this year with their, the boys, my two boys with their middle school, they just got an iPad. Um, but it's highly, you know, the controls highly controlled through school and they do part of their homework on it. Um, and they are allowed to have a certain amount of time for games. So this is the first, they don't have phones. I mean, they're, 
they're, I have a kid, I have a son who skipped a grade. And so they're both at the equivalent of sixth grade um, in France. So they're one of the few that don't have phones. How about the body image thing, even for you, even for adults? Like, what is it like uh, in France compared to America? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, I feel like there's a lot less, I'm thinking about French women. Um, I don't know if you've also read that book, French, I think it's called French Women Never Get Fat or something like that. Um, I think that's the title, I may be mistaken, but it's also, there's not the whole guilt around food that there is in America. Like I ate this, oh my gosh, like I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't, I mean, here it's more like, you can, let's just enjoy the five course meal. And we're gonna eat smaller portions maybe, but we're gonna have it all. We're gonna enjoy the like simple pleasures in life. You know, we also, I mean, women, well, and men too, we tend to eat our main meal of the day at lunch. So you, I feel like it's just, just, just overall so much healthier that we eat a smaller dinner at night. You don't have, you know, your impact, your digestion isn't as impacted. You're not having, you don't have a full stomach, you know, and, uh, it just has a better impact on your sleep, your overall metabolism. Um, so for me, definitely French women though. I, I mean, every single friend of mine is practices a sport, highly active individuals, like physical activity is a big part of life here, takes care of people, women take care of themselves. But, and you also, they also go to like get, I mean, if they can afford it, get spa treatments and massage and do things for themselves to, you know, make them feel good. Is the culture of like bouncing back from pregnancy a thing there? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, Okay. I mean, I don't really know what to compare it to because I'm, I wasn't in the United States, you know, I don't, I have, I I definitely had worked with friends in the United States as clients trying to lose weight post-pregnancy. So, um, but I did, you know, stuff like this, I did Pilates with, um, on the machine, um, one-on-one with a, with a Pilates instructor in Lyon and French women thought I was nuts for doing that. Really? Yeah. It's really uncommon. They were like, Oh my gosh, you're going to hurt yourself. Like it's bad for the baby. <laughs> Whereas in the United States, I feel like we just kind of go through pregnancy um, you know, we go towards the end. Women are working until the end. In France, women stop working. Like, I know so many women who go on leave like a month before. They seem to slow down two months before if they can, you know, and you have three months off after the baby's born. But yeah, it, in America, we tend to like power through, power through it all. And in France, women try, tend to like, take it easy, rest, like slow down during, I'm thinking about pregnancy, for example, but there's, it's, it's very interesting how health, my husband, for example, he broke his shoulder two, three weeks ago and he is going to physical therapy. It's free prescribers to by his doctor twice, twice a week. And it's, he's going to be doing that for like three months, you know? I mean, and, and, or you can get like, you can get, you know, if you have like high anxiety or stress, you can get your doctor can prescribe, um, meditation and you will get your meditate. You go do meditation classes with a doctor who's trained in mindfulness-based stress reduction, for example, and you can get your classes reimbursed, which is amazing. I and mean, they really are more into preventive medicine here. Ah, uh, I kind of want to leave America. Okay. Um, and then overall too, is it a, like, well, not everywhere, but definitely New York and definitely LA, like this like work culture where you just don't stop. We are very productive in that way in America. Like that is the priority work all the time. 
Yeah, I hear you. Well, my, you know, my husband is an entrepreneur. He has his own business. So he's, he can tend to be like that work, 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 but he just cuts it all off on the weekend. Finished. He's not really done. Yeah. He, he shuts it off. You know, it's like, but, um, French people, I think people have this notion that French people don't work as long hours as Americans, but that's just not true. I mean, really? No. I mean, French people work long, long hours. I think we have more vacation though. We have more vacation here time than America, but, um, you have a lot more people going through burnout here. That's a big thing that, uh, yes, because again, you don't get the recognition and the positive reinforcement or um, for your work that you would, I mean, I worked, I was lucky enough to work in in my last job, especially in New York for a lot of amazing women. And they were my bosses and they all wanted me to move up in the company, really into promoting women and and helping women. And here, I don't hear, I don't, I don't know. It's just not, I just feel like people, they don't get rewarded verbally for the work they're doing, you know, enough, enough. It's more about criticizing versus positive, positive reinforcement, positive. Okay, that's a surprise to me because it was just all based on nothing. I, I, you know, just make it up for myself. I don't know, or or. No, we all have our own preconceived notions and perceptions of different cultures. I have the same. I have the same perception as well as you did. Until I started living here. Uh, so interesting. Yeah, so interesting. You know, we've been in- interviewing a lot of people from our hometown, and it's so funny to me that, like, it's wonderful. But, like, all these people that I used to go to school with, it's just, like, doing such diverse things. It's it's super cool. It's really cool. Oh. It's super cool. Um, Adrian, it was so ha- wonderful to have you. Thank you, Carrie. I loved chatting with you and Kelly. All right, Adrian, thanks so much for joining um, for joining the pod. I love catching up with you. I love hearing the difference between living here and there. I do want to visit at some point. It sounds it sounds magical. And uh, our listeners, if you would please honor us with a five-star rating and review. I know I say it every single time and uh, it makes such a difference. So please do so. And if you'd like to become part of the family, opt into our email list. And if you'd like to listen to more health and wellness-based podcasts, the Digit Family is there for you. There's links in the show notes. And if you'd like to hear more of the sound of my voice, The Expecting Aerialist is also out on Tuesdays. And we talk about motherhood, prenatal, postpartum, everything around it. It's a good time. Uh, All right, guys. Have an amazing week. We'll see you guys next time. This is Greener Grass. 